Ready, set, go! This is the Checkpoint XP Podcast. Check out our international radio show and daily podcast at CheckpointXP.com. Here are your hosts, Nate Bender, Robbie Landis, Norris Howard, and Joe Sloan. Checkpoint Reach. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Checkpoint Podcast on the Westwood One Podcast Network. Everyone's listening exclusive, uncensored, and extended conversations from the nationally syndicated crew of the Checkpoint XP show. I am Robbie Landis, and uh, we have something a little bit different in store for your podcast this week. Norris and I were out at PAX East, and what follows for the podcast are our travel logs. Please enjoy. This is the PAX East travel log, entry one. Uh, it is the day before our official debut at PAX. Uh, sitting here at the Omni Hotel, Norris is getting himself all set for the party tonight. He's got a brand new sweater he's looking to debut, Norris. Ah, uh, yes. Welcome to Boston. And I have a message for all of the Bostonians catching this on the back end. Beware and be prepared for the mightiest of Michiganders have now arrived in your fair city. And we will take it down. Because we are Checkpoint and we are the best at what we do. I will say this. The flight on our way over here was rife with... Other Paxers, if you will. It wasn't the worst flight. Let's 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 start there. We've had bad flights. This was yes. by no means a bad flight. Not at all. But as we were getting out, we saw somebody in a Twitch hoodie. So we're like, you know, we we know where he's going, definitely. Uh, but sitting in front of us, uh, we, we we started a little, a little conversation ourselves uh, uh, about FF14. I don't even know how we got on the discussion of it. It, it must have been something that we saw, like on a meme, or or or, or on Twitter or something. Yeah. But but I had said Lords of Verminion, and then suddenly the guy in front of us uh, with as much wit as I have ever heard anyone on a flight. Oh, you mean Mini Starcraft now? I may have missed it, but I'm pretty sure the entire uh, plane erupted in laughter at his originality. And that, that that is that is not what happened. Um, I believe the person next to him said "huh," and the girl <laughs> to his left uh, proceeded to continue to ignore this individual. However, uh, the conversation around Final Fantasy XIV. Ceased there, but it picked up a little bit later. We'll get to that part. No, Norris and I, at that point, uh, both decided uh, not to continue engaging. We did. We did, we did. We did collectively agree to disengage from this individual. Uh, however, the conversation in the row before us uh, definitely uh, at it, first it, it altered. At first, will. I actually thought that that the three of them were like all friends, like they were all there, like together mm-hmm. or whatnot. But uh, apparently, no. Uh, the young lady next to the window, I believe, was going uh, on her own, and the two gentlemen uh, in the in, yes, in the row as well. People here in Boston, they they were simply plane mates. Uh, but once once uh, uh, you know, what? we're going to refer to them as the alpha and the beta because one yes. of them was a bit more alpha than the other. Maybe not quite an alpha, but more alpha. Yes, uh, realized the but girl the, the next beta to us. And the gamma. There you go, the beta and the gamma. The, uh, the, the, but, but, but the beta realized, oh, this, uh, this young lady next to us uh, 
is a fellow nerd. Ah. You could tell in his voice he was excited, and uh, they were talking about uh, Pokemon. Yes, and I do not recall exactly which Pokemon they were I do. Talking about you do. I do. Proceed. Yes, yes. She had mentioned that, because uh, one of them had said something about some Pokemon being their spirit animal, and she said that her favorite is Slakeem because she wishes that she could sleep all day as well. To which uh, our beta friend, <laughs> well, actually, he mansplained to her, Slakeem, you see, doesn't sleep all day. That Snorlax, Slakeem is just very lazy. Let me explain something to everyone. <laughs> the moment that we have gotten to a point to where people are mansplaining Pokemon, it's burn it down. <laughs> Just everything? Burn it down. Burn it, burn it down. Let women take over. Angela Merkel, just come over here. Switch your citizenship. Because men have officially lost it. Okay? We've lost it. All right. That's fair. That entire no, conversation. That to ourselves. That entire conversation lasted for a grand total of about six minutes, of which all six minutes there was just an immense fiery pain coming from, you know, behind my chest going, oh my God, will this stop? Yeah. And, uh, you know, they proceeded to talk about uh, a competitive Pokemon, of which. This young lady seemed to be not interested in whatsoever. No, she she did her best. She did her best, like to she, not be rude. She was being amicable. She was. She was being respect. A- yes, respect. and that's fine, and and, and it's okay because sometimes even I've been in situations where you talk to a fellow gamer or a fellow nerd, and they just take it to a level of nerd that you're not necessarily trying to take it to. Mm. Maybe you just want another person to appreciate He was way it. too excited, man. Way you too excited. Tell. Way too tell. excited. He's like, this is what the alphas feel like. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can talk to a girl. <laughs> this is great. Um, so that was very painful, but it is not the worst of it. No, the worst of it uh, got to the point when they all decided to now start uh, talking about the, uh, the core values and the... Uh, you know, the, the, the triumphs that is Final Fantasy fourteen, And now, most of you know or, or, or listening know what we think of Final our, Fantasy Our history of Final Fantasy fourteen. Let me just preface it with this. Let me just preface it with this. There is no way that we could have been in, involved with content creation for a game like that or about a game like that if there was not a deep love sure. for the franchise, a deep sure. appreciation for the franchise and Final Fantasy fourteen in its inception. Um, however, the development for that game has taken a very mm-hmm. uh, monotonous tone, and uh, there has been a decline in the quality of that game. I just want to preface that before Robbie continues on with this next part. Yeah, but no, these guys were definite stands of the game, hundred percent. Like they mm-hmm. were, they were in it balls deep, <laughs> and started talking about the finer points of the game and how amazing it was. And and, and Norris had sort of latched onto it first, right, mm-hmm. and, and was already trying to get his his, his earbuds in because. <laughs> This was the type of stuff that had we continued to listen, we'd have had to step in at some we'd point. Have to step in. And the point when I also decided, like, okay, yeah, no, we just need to zone these guys out, is when one of them said uh, uh, that Final Fantasy XIV is so great that it will outlive every other MMO currently on the market. I I don't I don't know about that. I don't, I don't either. That one. But that wasn't the part that got me checked out. Because I could see in some weird, bizarre world that being true. However, 
where I checked out is the moment where Senor Beta and Monsieur Gamma mm -hmm. decided to have a conversation with the young lady over there talking about parsers and oh, DP right. and, and DPS checks. Of which this young girl has, you know, made, let me not say young girl, but this woman has made no indication that she was ever interested in a conversation about Final Fantasy XIV. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't hear her say that she played fourteen. Maybe she did. Maybe. But uh, they proceed to lament the uh, shortcomings of not allowing... Not just not allowing, uh, of, of uh, Square Enix banning parsers yes. from being used in the game, despite, according to them, the need for parsers because of the terrible DPS checks within dungeons. All right. Let me just say Did this. I miss something when I left? No. That was that was the crux of it. But here's the here's the thing. Okay? I still play the game and I will explain this. You do not need a parser for a DPS check. You meet the DPS check or you don't. <laughs> <laughs> It's not F1, bro. <laughs> it's not who can get to the DPS check the fastest. That's That doesn't matter, okay? If we're talking about clearing a dungeon or a raid, you meet the DPS check or you don't. There's no need for a parser. But if you don't, if you don't meet it, how do you know how close you are from beating it, Norris? Did you beat it? No. Did you did, did you didn't beat it? Oh, okay. But what if I was close? I'll never know. Yeah, you'll know when you beat it. No. But this is this is what I'm saying, and this is sort of not just about Final Fantasy fourteen, but this is the entitlement of gamers. This is the sort of thing that has come to completely rear its ugly head and fester in Final Fantasy fourteen and in other communities. The concept that game developers need to design their games around what you want that is wrong game developers design their game for their vision not for what you want and the consumers will decide if that is what they want or not speaking of getting what you want segue here when we did get to our hotel we went, oh, wow. <laughs> we went great great segue by the way <laughs> we go to check in on uh today is thursday the 28th uh, norris gives his name the lady's like oh yes so uh looks like you will be joining us uh tomorrow the 29th and the 30th for two days that is not that's not as, correct as we are we're in boston <laughs> first of all lady like, yeah like, let me come check very, very matter of fact like oh yes uh, as no as per usual you are checking in a day ahead of time <laughs> no, <laughs> no lady. lady no we need to check in right now we have uh, uh here here's our email that says three days we've paid for three days we need to be here for three days she's like okay let me go see what i can do and then she very kind very she kind worked with us very kind very awesome patient lady. absolutely Absolutely. So she works with us. She comes back and she's like, "All right, here's uh, your, your room key and blah 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 uh, with your uh, queen size bed." Nurse is like, "Just one." <laughs> did, did, did Cookie do this to us? Cookie didn't do this to us. Cookie wouldn't do this so, to us. So I mean, it, it, she was already being very accommodating to so us. We so we didn't. Yeah, we we're didn't. like, "All right, we'll figure it out." You know, we'll 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 we'll, we'll, we'll make this work. You know, and she had mentioned a, a potential rollout bed as well. Yeah. Um. So uh, you know, we head up to check out the room, and I, I message Kooky. I'm like, Kooky, 
Did, did, you, did you get us a one or a two fast one on us? And she's like, I got you two. I got you two doubles. Okay. And then she's already like sending me uh, uh, like the confirmation and stuff like that, the guest summary. And sure enough, two doubles are on there. And so like, all right, you know what? We'll go back downstairs. We are the consumers. We, we we should get what we paid for at the very least if they're all full and booked up because it's packs, man. It's packs. Packs can get busy. Everywhere is booked up. We should get a complimentary rollout. Right? Agree. We shouldn't have to pay for that. So we Agreed. go down. Uh, we talk to the other guy, not the lady. Yes. Um, and he, he basically gets everything sorted out for us. You know, we have to wait a little bit longer to check in. Not a big deal. Um, don't know how happy I was with her kind of popping over and being like, I told you it was a queen up there. I know, like, I know, oh, but uh, just leave me alone. We got a paper that says we get a double. Exactly, so. exactly. So we end up getting our double room. Everything's fine. I do kind of miss the view of Team what? Envy's what? room that we... No, no, no. You don't like brick wall? No, we had the brick wall view, but what remember... the contemporary brick wall 20 feet out? I know, but we had the view of Team Envy's room... Allegedly. Or or just someone who's really into Team Envy. There's nobody that into Team Envy. So it was obviously <laughs> Team Envy. I'm just being honest. We should, oh, we should have tried to like figure out like what room that is and kind of knocked and been like, oh, we didn't... Re- hey, wait, are you Team Envy? Are you Team Envy? Wow, wow this yeah. is awesome. Amazing. What a coincidence. I would have never believed. But uh, anyway, so guys, that is the story right now from... Day well, actually, day negative one, day zero, mm-hmm. day zero of of packs. We're actually getting ready for the after party. At getting, least. getting ready for the after party that's before would we've you, been would, to packs. Would, uh, uh, would you like to tell us who it is that you're wearing today? Because you know it actually kind of, you know, Joe had made a joke about our travel log being like, yes. you know, star date, blah blah blah. Yes. I could see someone wearing this in Star Trek. I, you know, as I put it on, it does. <laughs> feel quite star trekky i'll post this onto my private instagram uh i'll have i'll have robbie be my instagram boyfriend for a couple minutes you got it but uh yes it does look very star trekky when Whoopi was on star yes. trek when Whoopi was on yeah. the, the, the t- mm-hmm. you know tng yep. tng era there you go. yeah i can see that i can see that i'm very jordy laforge <laughs> right now but uh, we will uh, So stay tuned Glued for that But uh, with that said guys uh, Stay tuned We will be back For part two of this And uh, once we do that That'll be uh, As we're Experiencing packs That's Or right. as we have Experienced packs So uh, stay tuned for that Packs East Log two Day one uh, Actually night one Day one's over with I guess We, uh, we finished it Everything that could go wrong absolutely went wrong, but we handled it like pros. We are the champions. That's right. Got everything that we need. We just got done uploading some crispy audio to send back to uh, Nate, the uh, audiomancer. AF. Let me explain something to you guys about today. Uh, it's not often that we come up against trying moments like this, but guess what, guys? You're going to come across them every now and then. Uh, technical difficulties galore. Galore, Robbie. Just just run them through the beginning of the day, please. All right. So beginning of the day, we get up, no problem. We go and we have breakfast, no problem. We get to the uh, get to the place and actually go through security bag check. Don't even have our badges yet, but guess what? No problem. No problem. So we get through. We meet up with Julie, who 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 is essentially our new ace. Yes, our new ace. To to to, to so that you guys can get an image in your head. She is the kooky, the Christine. Of the sports hub. That's right. That's what she is. She's she gets shit done. So we get through. She gives us our badges. We go and we get in. We get everything sort of set up. And 
you know, we got our guy come in. I forget. Oh, the guy, the guy from from earlier who helped set up our stuff. I forget his name now. I feel oh, really bad. His name. He's a great guy. He is a great guy. We uh, we got to work with him out at uh, at the Collegiate Cup as That's well. Right. Yep, he did everything for us. Got everything all set up. Perfect. Boom, boom, boom. Now is where we start to run into some stuff. Okay. So we're told that the Mevo guys, the guys who are going to get our stream up and going, are going to be there about noon. We get back to the booth at about noon, no guys. So we text Julie, because she's gone too. We're like, Julie, what's going on? She's like, don't worry, I'm getting him now. Brings him back. That's right. That's right. Comes back. We thought we were going to get hard-lined in. Unfortunately, that was not an option for us. And so this is where things started to take a turn, because (laughs) a convention space like this, the the internet, the, the, the free Wi-Fi is... At a premium, and I wish that meant that we could spend a premium price and get more Wi-Fi, but no, everybody's using this up. And the way that this convention center is kind of set down in the ground, it's like being in a Faraday cage. No signals are getting in and out with as much as it's going on here. So, for those of you that turned into the live stream and basically just got a video of us with no audio, we apologize for that. Uh, we did get the audio recorded, though. Uh, hopefully, by now, you've listened to our PAX coverage of Friday. And uh, if you've been to the stream on Saturday, or if you're hearing this uh, uh, in Sunday's gone and, uh, come and gone as well, uh, we hopefully gave you some video with the good audio. We did what we could. Bring you some great stuff, though. Talking with the Boston Uprising. Super great stuff. We also talked to uh, John Donatio, uh, a guy that we... Old friend of ours. Old friend, a friend of the show. So uh, make sure you guys check out that interview as well. But I, I can't explain to you guys uh, how much we really owe to some of the technical staff mm-hmm. and the support that we've gotten out here. Yeah, th- thanks to Tim, who tried his best to get that Mevo going for us on some type of hot-spotted Wi-Fi. We, he, he, tried, he tried so hard, man. It was like it was like seeing Artax in the quicksand, bro. It was just like... it Revenge was the Fallen. Yes, it, it hurt so bad. Um, but most definitely, man, you know, we... I was very frustrated to the point to where, like, I had to step away. Uh, if Robbie could see it, but Robbie took it much better than I did. I mean, oh, man, there wasn't a whole lot we could do. Man. I know, I know, I know. I didn't have a Nate level like meltdown, mm-hmm. but thank you, by the way, thank you. Well, because also know, you know, as There's nothing we could have done. <laughs> as, as a wise man was said, listening eyes are uh, watching. But the thing is, is that we're gonna go back tomorrow. We're gonna get more, you know, content for you guys. Mm-hmm. We're gonna put it all up. Definitely check it out. It's going to be up on the website. It's going to be up on the YouTube channel. Check all that stuff. Most thanks to everybody, especially Julie. Super duper shout out. She will get shouted out again before this podcast is over, I'm sure. Uh, because she's she's amazing. She's done great work for us. So there's, that was, there's a kooky in every city, man. There's a kooky in every city. Um, but our kooky is special. Yeah. There are many kookies, but this <laughs> this one is ours. This one is ours. <laughs> um, but for with that said, guys, uh, you know sometimes everything doesn't work and go your way, but uh, we'll do our best every day to bring you guys uh, the best coverage we can. And uh, day two will be much better than day one. I assure you. Quick story for you guys, considering of things that don't always go your way. So, uh, being that, <laughs> being that PAX, yeah, being that PAX is, uh, you know, kind of rooted in, you know, a very grassroots organization from the beginning, very rooted in like tabletop and board games. There's a big tabletop presence there, you know, from players 
to to uh, 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 vendors, uh, Warmwood Gaming was out there who who does like you know custom like you know really fine woodworking type stuff for for tabletop stuff. And uh, there's one that I that, that I'd never heard of before called uh, what were they called uh, uh, Fleetwood Academy. No, Elderwood Academy, Fleetwood, like Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, no. <laughs> Elderwood Academy uh, bought a really cool, uh, uh, like, dice rolling tray and some dice. And by buying both of those, they had, like, this big spin wheel, like Wheel of Fortune style you could spin and potentially win free stuff. So I gave that a spin, and it landed on two free spins. I'm like, oh, oh, I'm getting something here. Even if it's raffle tickets into the drawing, I'm getting something out of this. So I give it the first spin. And on there, there is a space called Grand Prize. It's probably just like a bunch of free stuff. And then directly to the left and to the right of that space is a crit-fail space. My first spin lands in the left. Crit-fail space. And if you noticed that uh, uh, I gave you specifics about how it landed on the left crit-fail space, maybe you can see where this story is going. Because on my second spin, I landed on the right Crit fail space. <sighs> I should be a lot more upset about that than what I actually am, but I mean, I still got some pretty sweet stuff. So that's where we're going to end this one tonight, guys. Uh, uh, keep listening because the travelogue for PAX East continues. PAX East travelogue three. Should have been travelogue four, but on day two, we went out to a tequila and taco bar. And forgot to do <laughs> a travel log three. <laughs> but don't worry, you'll get to hear about that as well. So why don't we start first with what what would have been our day two, day three total Saturday. Yeah. Um, um Okay, so Day two went a lot better than day three. We at least knew expectations are important. Yeah, expectations are important. We had those now for Saturday. Yes, yeah. yes. So we're able to talk to quite a few folks uh, a lot of indie developers that were around so that was really cool um, and all in all it was just more of a chill day we actually got I know I got to see a lot more actual stuff get like my hands on actual games so that was that was cool things are a lot harder like without press passes though. <laughs> like a lot harder I don't know how anybody like would try to go and cover these events from a journalistic point of view. Like, like if, if they had to like uh, pay their own way out there and not get press passes or yeah, exhibitor the, passes. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's, it's impossible. It, it's I mean, I stood in the line for Streets of Rage Four for like an hour, Whew. and like <clears throat> even that to me was like we got off light. Like when I was looking at the uh, Mortal Kombat. Uh, 11 oh, lines like you had to make like special appointments and I was just like whatever dude I'll play it at E3 like uh, I ain't Joshi's uh, Crafted World was another like insanely long line that people were just like mobbing each other over um, I really thought the day 2 was also a little bit more uh, relaxed you know w- w- uh, once we weren't worrying about you know how are we going to fix the stream how are we going to get this quality up what are we going to do what's the plan uh, so, so internally, day two, yes, was a lot more relaxed. Uh, but of course, being Saturday, now that nobody really has to work on Saturday, oh it it also felt a bit more like the E three experience. You could not move through the AAA district. So I'm going to call them districts now. Uh, <laughs> the lines were constantly capped everywhere. So, like, I, I was hoping maybe try and go in and get some some hands on days gone. You know, see if I get a little bit more of a read on on 
how that's going to be. Nah, buddy. What? Dude, that could come out and end up having a story. No, I'm just saying you weren't about to get your hands on that. Oh, yeah. Yes. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, But uh, like you, I was also able to see a lot more. You know, I actually went around and spent some time just kind of like watching people play some of the indie games. It was was hard even to, even without lines, to get into some of the indie games because there were some places that weren't really enforcing any kind of time allotment or anything like that. And because of the... It's just like you had to just like be... Be there. Yeah. Or, Or... beat whatever stage it was like regardless of how long mm-hmm. it took like, well because there were no actual lines it's like the developers didn't feel a need to be like alright you know it's somebody else's turn unless there were people like at, you know like actually you know sitting there kind of waiting to get in so I was able to watch a lot more I tried a few games uh, you know on, on the off chance that you kind of walked up as somebody else stood up and walked away you're like can I you know jump down there uh, so that was really cool the only uh, the only thing that, the, that you and I waited in line for together was the uh, the Lost Island game that was that was, and somebody still tried to screw us out of our yeah, spot. Oh my god! So, all right, let me let me say what what Pax doesn't do very well, and that's sort of its its exhibitor organization. So everybody is pretty much like left to their own devices with how to maintain their like lines and whatever they're showing off. And I feel like at E3, that's so much more organized. There's, like, a separate line for, like, media and, like, special guests. And then there's another line for, like, general public. And it flows so much better. And don't get me wrong. Like, the crowd for something like this is much larger in Los Angeles. Not to disrespect PAX or anything like that. PAX is huge. But with PAX, you have, you know everybody who's coming in from the east coast and you have a lot of european presence as well because the flights are super cheap whether as e3 you sort of have the opposite you have a very large pacific or uh asian presence and of east asian presence and everybody who lives in california so you go to e3 and it's so much it's just as massive if not more massive but it Oh, it's feels, more massive. They have two different auditoriums. Yeah, but it feels, in a way, especially by that third day, so much more organized. Well, I think it is more organized just because of the fact that instead of having, like, you know, you, you obviously had the big AAA developers and wanted out there, of course. Uh, but they only had, like, you know, like, one game or so, sort of one little booth area, you know, per, per each one. When you look at E3, it's... It's broken up based by like developer or even like publisher, like the Sony. Think of like the Sony or the Nintendo side, right? Mm-hmm. Nintendo's doing that, so they they they're in charge, you know, of like hiring people to make sure that each of the lines sort of stays where it is. Yeah. In the indie scene, you don't have all that money just to be able to hire people behind you. So the two or three developers or staff members that you have there on hand to also <laughs> talk to people about the game are also the ones that have to try and maintain the line. Yeah. So you're right. There, there, there is. I think supposed to be a, a lot of sort of maybe self organization amongst people, which is why they put that stupid tape down. They have their enforcers, but those are also just volunteers, yeah, you know. So yeah. and, and and much word out to the volunteers and the support staff at PAX because it could be a lot worse. I'm not necessarily saying it's bad at no, all. It could no. be a lot worse. But uh, so we, we we did all our work at PAX, saw a lot of great stuff, a lot of great indie stuff. Like we always leave E3 talking about some. Oh my God, there's so much I want to buy. But there's also a lot that you're just like, eh. 
Like, there was so much, especially, like, indie stuff that I saw that I'm like, dang, I really want to buy that. And it becomes a lot easier to do that because, you know, you're not dropping 60 bucks per game. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's also, though, hard to figure out, like, is this indie game in early development? Is it already out? Is it not out yet? Was that just alpha that I saw? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, for me, you know, the stuff that, you know, I really wanted to get, you know, I made sure I got... Cards for and stuff cards, like that, or at least, years. or at least some dates on some windows, some release windows. Uh, not a lot of people are giving release dates, but a lot of giving release windows. And you know, of that, I feel like, all right, cool. I really wish that E three had more of a indie presence because I think, in the same way where you see a lot of people, and this is a very strange comparison, but in the same way where you see a lot of people sort of wanting to support quote-unquote small business you know what i mean you just like i know back home in detroit we have like small business day or mm-hmm. small business tuesday where they should have like an indie alley yeah where it's like actively encouraged for you to go support a small local business and i think the gaming industry should do that too like they do it with like steam sales and stuff right like well the, the I, I think i think probably the biggest barrier to entry there is because e3 at least prior to this was known as an industry event it's probably not cheap to get your game in there no it's not but that's what i'm saying i think it, it should be who v3 to invite some people there to say like okay we have indie alley and here's the things that we you know, we we want to do for you. We can do this cut the for cost you. or something yeah, like that. Yeah, this is what we can do. Like you know, we're not gonna pay your airfare and all like that. But if you could get a couple people out, we'll give you a space in Indie Alley because we want to support the growth of the indie well, scene. Problem is with Sony not coming this year, they're gonna have to find ways to get more money, not give favors out to people. I mean, but at the same time, by Sony not being there, and really by maybe some other developers saying is E3 even really necessary they have to start thinking of stuff like that and yeah maybe maybe they don't have to eat the cost of a couple years to get people really turned up about it because what I saw from PAX <laughs> yes all the lines were at the the big AAA studios but there were lines everywhere and there were people still really excited for a lot of these smaller games people want smaller experiences every game isn't tailor made to be a big 80 hour or shouldn't be tailor made to be this big 80 90 hour experience some people do want well, dude you guys know one of my favorite games of all time Windjammers I love that game I could pick it pick up Windjammers at any moment at any time and play it regardless of my mood for 10 minutes and be totally satisfied like people like those kinds of experiences and I think the games industry as a whole needs to start supporting that and supporting the creativity that goes into it. Only you want to know what I saw that E3 could all take a lesson from and use to fill in uh, any vacuum left by any of the developers or uh, publishers that aren't going to be at uh, E3. The, the little Smash tournament that they had oh, at yes, PAX yep. was it awesome. Huge. It was huge. They were doing like you know cool things like they had uh, uh, it was a three-on-three three team battle. Team battle, that's what it is. They had items or assist trophies or something on. Okay. I'm, mm, regardless. No assist trophies. Regardless, you had fun watching it. And everybody else had fun watching it. Yeah. Seeing seeing Sonic beat the Inkling was like, what? That shouldn't have happened. <laughs> so, especially considering last year when we were at E3, we know that Sony and Nintendo shared the same uh, like auditorium space. They really 
really need to stop half-assing their esports presence. Like esports is a part of the industry now. Period. Like like it's only getting bigger. Stop ignoring it. Even if you just consider yourself a trade show. Last year you had the the, the E3 Coliseum, which was kind of like you know the panel sort of convention sort of thing, which shows a willingness to sort of branch out and to try new things. Go full into the esports. Nintendo is pushing Ultimate pretty hard. Make like some type. If, if it can't be a major, it doesn't matter. Make some type of Make big invitational. invitational, something big at E3. You want to talk about drawing in crowds, right? Get get uh get, uh get melee. Get well. First of all, get melee in there. Absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, you, they they debuted uh, DBZ Fighters. That wasn't last E3. Was that the E3 before that? Um, when when you got to try it out first. That was E3 before. Okay, but still, I mean, you know, get get a DBZ fighter tournament going. You don't think that if Sonic Fox shows up that everybody's going to be tuning in for that match? Totally, totally, totally. And that's and that's what I'm saying. What, what you, I believe we named it the uh, the collective n- nutbucks. Yes, we named it the E3 Nintendo Smash Melee Collective Nutbus Tournament because that uh, that's what it would be. You pe- listen. We talked especially to, with Evo not having melee. If E three was like y'all come over here, no, totally. And and the thing that I view is like as esports continues to like be the main reason for the longevity of certain games, or excuse me, as esports uh, continues to be the longevity of certain games. You know, you look at CS:GO, that game is old as hell. Like you know, League of Legends is a decade old. Like these are games that. In a traditional sort of paradigm, probably shouldn't you know shouldn't really shouldn't have still be around you know player bases anymore, mm-hmm. but they are because of the esports scene. And I think it would be really intelligent for E three to sort of, at the very least, acknowledge that. And I mean, dude, that's what I say. You pick three games, have have a invitational every every day, have an invitational all three days, run it all day long. And mission accomplished. And that would, yeah, maybe require some extra investment on their end. But as you said, they got to do something. If E3 became a trade show plus a convention plus like a major, oh. like think about that. Oh, think about that. Think think of think of it becoming like IEM E3, like. Bro, Dude. That would Dude. slap so hard. Mm-hmm. They would bring in so much money. But I understand the, the human effort that that takes. The logistics don't, for The all logistics, that. yeah, don't get me wrong. And E3 is already a massive undertaking. But if Sony's going out on a limb and said, like, you know, we're going to skip this year, and, and I don't think there's any indicator that they'll probably be back. I mean,. If they announce PS5 this year, what reason do they have to go to E3 next year? No, I I agree. If they're if they're making that kind of announcement without E3, I don't think that 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 they're probably coming back without some major incentive. Um, so uh, uh, this this tequila and taco bar I went to last night wasn't a whole lot of drinking. No, a little bit, just a little bit. I had one, but. Uh, First of all, if you are in the Boston area and you haven't been to the Lolita uh, for in, in Fort Point, it's just a little bit uh, to the side of the Boston Center, just over the bridge, near the Everybody Fights Shipping Yard, <laughs> which, by the way, is That's a great true. name for a shipping yard. And it's absolutely weird. true. Google Maps showed me. Uh, you need to go check this place out. It's, uh, it's a cool little... I don't want to say a hole in the wall, but you kind of go down like a staircase right next to the water. It's a bit weird. Uh, uh, it's a bit weird. It's a bit but, weird. But... Uh, 
Yeah, as soon as we got there, like we literally walked down, there was a group in front of us, and as we got there, suddenly our guy outside the door was like, you need you all to start back up and just form a line here. Suddenly they're at capacity. This whole tunnel was completely empty. Once we walked down, now there's a line. It's ridiculous. Uh, we were invited out uh, by a friend of ours, uh, John Donadio. We, uh, right. we uh, talked to him here at PAX East and uh, uh, actually interviewed him. If you were listening to the podcast, you should have heard that interview with him. A uh, great guy. Great guy. Uh, you should go follow him on uh, Twitter at SomeBeardy, the number two love. Uh, but he invited us out, and we're trying to call him because, you know, he, he invited us. So it's like they're in there. Our people are in there. Let us in, man. Right. And uh, we stand out there about 15 minutes, and then as they're finally letting us in, he comes out to get us. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Thanks, but John. the real reason I want to talk about this place is the steak tacos that we got. All right, so, okay, hold on. Let me explain something to you guys, all right? I'm not a huge beef person. I try to chill on my red meat and pork intake. All right? But I saw these steak tacos, and I said, there's no way on earth that we can't try these tacos. So I ordered a steak taco. First of all, it was a massive undertaking to get the cocktail waitress to come over. There were like 350 people in this yeah, place. It, this, this place was packed to capacity with what looked like regulars and E3 goers. And it, it was it was absolutely crazy. So we get we get the waitress. She gives us the tacos. First of all, she gives us this, this look like, yo, the steak tacos are serious business. I was like, all right, cool. And Robbie will confirm this. It might be the best damn steak tacos. I Confirmed, ever the best damn steak tacos. Okay, it was it was the right amount of, of the, 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 the little bitty ones, the little boys like street too. street taco size. But listen, the 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 seasoning of the meat and the and they put the little shoestring potato things on mm-hmm. top of them and it was like spicy, but it didn't it wasn't like heat it was like melted in there. Just yeah, it was right like a queso. Oh my god, it was so good. Like. Is it too late to go and get a few more of those for a flight? I really want to. Like, can can you Uber Eats to a terminal? <laughs> like, I want to do that right now, bro, because those tacos were so good. Like, the tacos were so good. The cocktail waitress came back and was like, she just gave us this look like, I told you they was good. She's like, you want more, don't you? And I'm like, I do, but my budget, man. <laughs> I was like, these are $14 tacos. But it was those tacos were so delicious, and then we ended up sitting down next to this guy that looked exactly like Eric Bana, but sounded more like a Muppet. <laughs> like that's not the voice I thought was going to come out of him. He did. He looked. He looked like Eric Bana. Super sweet guy though. No, super, super sweet nice guy. guy. He sell. He sells ice cream for mm-hmm. a living. Like he, well, no, he sells ice cream as a hobby. Yes, that that's what his, that's his, his parents, parents do. The, do, do yeah. the ice cream thing. So during the weekend, he goes and sells ice cream with them. Like it's so nice, it's so nice. And he was just explaining to us like he had never been to PAX and stuff. (laughs) And it's always funny when people go to conventions or do like nerd stuff for the first time, and it's like they don't understand that like nerds have money or or an appetite. Because like before you sat down, he he was talking about how like you know that that week on those four days they do six figures, like almost one hundred fifty grand. And he's like, we've worked like 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 Mets games and stuff like that and you no one spends that much money that quickly on food nerds do nerds do we need fuel and we have terrible diets <laughs> that's the, we but don't care what we're putting in our body that that's mostly that's how g fuel thrives I, <laughs> <laughs> you probably just ruined the sponsor but it's is the, the thing is man is that you know i i'm 
I am an exception to that rule, man. It's that Robbie consumes more Coca-Cola than any human being I've you, ever seen. You know what? You had no problem putting what looked like a fake meat patty into your body. I had no choice. All right. That, that's the, that, that's how they get you. When I know. you get into a place like that, you ain't got no choice. I, I had no choice. But, uh, yeah, I ate terrible this weekend. But the thing is, man, is, is talking to him, and he was talking about the ice cream and, and talking about the nerd stuff and just explaining to him, like, what PAX was and what these conventions are. And it it, it was one of those moments where you actually see dollar signs just, like... Pop up in that guy's eyes. They yeah, should have... Yeah, yeah. No, they didn't pop up in his eyes. They popped up over his head. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Straight up, like the dollar signs popped up over his head because we're like, yeah, there's Pax West, there's there's Pax South, there's Pax Australia. He's mm-hmm. like, wait, what? <laughs> Australia? That's yeah, not to mention the Comic Cons. Like like Pax in in comparison to those is like small time, man. Yeah, and so he's just sitting back, and I saw the dollar signs adding up. And I guarantee you, as soon as he left that conversation, he, like, texted his folks. It was like, we need to get in on this nerd shit. And, and I just want to point out that that right there, that there, there are people in this world that it's not that they just don't care about, like, video games or the culture. They are straight up not aware of it. And that is why uh, uh, gaming in the mainstream media, whether it's TV, whether it's radio, that's why it's so vastly important. You know, we, we actually, you know, us people who listen to us, you know, gamers, the internet and online has always been a part of their life so that they know to find the stuff that they want. That's sort of where they go to. Mm-hmm. But there are entire generations of people out there who aren't glued to their phone all the time, who aren't getting, you know, the news updates, who aren't learning about these new games, who have no idea that they exist. And that's why being in these spaces is so important. It is, because that's also, unfortunately, where the money is and where the people who can make some really big decisions that can change a lot of lives and, more importantly, start employing a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, every other thing, traditional sports has so many cottage industries that comes out of it that... You know, the more esports proliferates, the more that we'll be able to see stuff like that. You know, who's to say that this guy couldn't go to his folks and when, you know, the uprising have their arena solidified that he doesn't try to broker some deal with being like the, 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 the ice cream. The go-to ice the cream. The ice cream. The official ice cream sponsor guy. of the Boston Uprising. Or, or whatever, of just, you know, having, you know, the ability to set up shop, you know, on match days. Like, that's mm-hmm. the type of stuff that we're talking about. Those are cottage industries that get set up because of normal sporting, sport, normal sporting events. And it's only getting bigger as esports begins to grow yeah, and uh, gaming uh, grows in the mainstream. What was it? The story that we did on uh, Friday's uh, uh, Daily Show when we were at PAX. The viewership from the uh, the the final or, or the two days that ABC had the stage one finals actually outpaced NHL games of popular teams. Yeah, and we're coming for you, MLB. <laughs> no, we're not beating baseball. They had six thousand games like a day. But the thing is, is that that's a big deal, and, and you know people will make the argument that hockey viewership has been dropping X Y Z da da da. Yeah, no, that's fine. Partially because hockey's expensive from the average and e-sports person. Esports is rising to play, but esports is rising, and that's the thing is that you look at something like hockey, and you look at something like the way the NHL has been set up for years and years. Esports is rife to become that sort of next fourth sport because there's always football, basketball, baseball, and the fourth sport has always been the sticky 
the sticky situation because some people will say, oh, soccer's gaming. Some people say hockey's never going to drop off. Okay, well, if hockey drops off, soccer could take it. and then, So there's all this thing. No, esports could take it. And that's something that I think people don't want to pay attention to. Over those, those three or four days, you had the Overwatch League on ABC that got watched by almost a half a million people. Think about that. A half a million people watching esports in America. Mm-hmm. Unheard of. Unheard of. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure that 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 had to have been like concurrent viewers, not necessarily like unique views. No, that that I believe that was the number for concurrent. So imagine the number of eyes that were on it. Oh yeah, I mean we we've done a litany of segments about mm-hmm. how people respond to esports and how some people just you know poo poo and how some people become converts so it's one of these types of things man where i really hope that the more packs is popular and the more people have conversations like um you know uh, knock off eric bonner and i'm just saying that because i can't remember his name and i feel like such a john well do you know how many johns there are there's a lot okay John Eric Bana. We we we've just talked about two of our friend Johns on the same podcast. Two different people. <laughs> this is so confusing. But uh, with that said, you know um, we are getting ready to board our plane, head back to snowy Michigan. I miss my cats and my girlfriend, man. I mean, I miss my girlfriend. I don't miss cats. But you don't have any. I don't miss them in general. Um, I don't just miss any cat, like my cat specifically. I don't miss your cats. You've never met my cats. That's why I don't miss them. All right. And uh, the thing is, is I, we're getting ready to board. Getting ready to head back home and give you guys more info, more content, all around packs. And the crazy part is... Is that even after this, we turn around, we're back on the road, we come back, we're home for a month, and then it's E3 time. Like, this is by far the craziest time of year for us. So, uh, stay glued, stay tuned, and uh, we are happy and appreciative, again, of everybody who helped us out. uh, Out here in Boston, uh, from the Sports Hub and the Boston Uprising. Special thanks to uh, Julie. And um, we'll make sure we send her a uh, a copy of uh, Resident Evil, uh, <laughs> um, because we know She'll how send much it back in shreds. We know how much she loves zombies, um, and and uh, yeah. So that's that. We thank you guys, and we will be back next. Uh, week. I got you. I got you. The outro actually pulled it up here. So thanks so much for joining us this weekend for the uh, Checkpoint Pax East Travel Log Podcast. Uh, with me and Norris here, uh, Checkpoint XP, where you can find more info about the show, interviews from past episodes, and much more all over at CheckpointXP.com. Stay up to date on all the latest following us on social media, Checkpoint XP on Facebook and Twitter, as well as Checkpoint underscore XP on the gram. And if you like the podcast, check out the show. And if you like the show, consider dropping by our Apple Podcast feed and giving us a rating and review. Checkpoint XP is a production of uh, Westwood One and Beasley Esports XP. Our theme is provided by the band Weird at Last. Big thanks to our production team of Mike Thomas and Buzz Knight. And for the Checkpoint crew back in Michigan, which is apparently back to being chilly again, uh, Joe and Nate. Uh, thank you, Norris, of course, too. I'm Robbie Landis, guys. 
keep listening. You've been listening to the Checkpoint XP podcast. Make sure you subscribe to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, tune into our weekly radio show. For more information and the latest on esports and gaming, go to CheckpointXP.com. Yeah.